I haven't got my orange shirt on. Someone gave me a bit of advice and said um, I, the orange was the orange and the black was the black. It was like a face telling you, <laughs> dig deeper into God's word, and it was just my face. So I've changed. And finally, Julie is leading a night walk at 11.30 tonight into town if you want to go for a walk with her. She's used to that time frame. <laughs> uh, just kidding, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if you could turn or swipe to your uh, means to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, we looked at deep in, uh, looking at digging deeper um, into God's word. This morning, I want to challenge all of us to dig deeper into caring and loving each other. It's hard to do that with you guys because you guys do that so well. Um, but I'll let God speak to you. <laughs> so 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Here we go, verse 23. Paul says, All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things build up or edify. Let no one seek his own good, but that of his neighbour. Eat anything that is sold in the meat market without asking questions for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. If one of the unbelievers invites you and you want to go, eat anything that is set before you without asking questions for conscience sake. But if anyone says to you, this is meat sacrificed to idols, do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for conscience sake. I mean not your own conscience, but the other man's. For why is my freedom judged by another man's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I slandered concerning that for which I give thanks? Whether then you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of of God. Give no offence either to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, so that they may be saved. Father, we uh, thank you for your word again. And like little boy Samuel, our hearts are asking you to speak because we're willing to listen. We're hungry, we're expectant. We pray that you would speak in Jesus' name. Amen. So, decades ago when I first took those first born-again steps in, in the Lord, um, every now and then I would go with my, my friends around to the pastor's place not for his daughter, just the pastor's place. And we'd hang out because some of the full-time workers there were our own friends. So we would go there to hang out and then we'd you know, go, yes, I just told you, not for the pastor's daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and so we'd just hang out. And when I arrived um, at the place, which was a big place because you had the pastor's residence and then further back you had the, where the boys, full-time workers were, and then 
you know, in a different property, on this big property, a different property is where the girls were. They were full-time workers. And so we went and hung out with the boys, but every time I would go there, most days I would go there, there was this, this guy that was washing the pastor's car. And I discovered very quickly that he was quite grumpy. And I'm quite jovial, and every time I said hello to him and try to get a, a conversation going, nah, <laughs> shut me down, shut me down, and continue to do what, what he did. And so I, I really struggled at church every time I saw him. I'm not sure if any of you actually struggle with someone else in the fellowship. No, no confessions, just keep it to yourself. But um, I did. I struggled with this guy, and I'm sure other people struggled with him. I'm telling you my story. And I'd, I'd say hello to him, but I couldn't believe after all that I had grown up with, and then you are born again, and God revolutionizes your thinking and you're, you're enthusiastic, and then you meet someone like this, and you think, why aren't you like this? And so I struggled with him. In fact, every time we would be laughing and joking and he was around, I felt a little bit uncomfortable. I found out years later that he was a recovering drug addict and he struggled socially. And looking back, though I never challenged the way he was, I lost an opportunity described in the passage as let no one seek his own good but, the, but that of his neighbour. Now the Apostle John says it very emphatically. 1 John 4, 7 and 8 Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. Now that's the challenge. You say, Mike, I'm born again. How dare you challenge me just because I act this way? It's not me, it's God. So if there's a contradiction there, you need to go back to God and sort it out. Because the Bible says without pretense or without excuse that God is love. And we ought to act in love. So James says this, as I've mentioned a couple of times, faith without works is what? It's dead. <laughs> faith without works is dead. And J.B. Phillips, I think, renders it as rotten fruit. <laughs> That's what our faith is like, rotten fruit, if there is no action, if there is no application to our faith. Now last night, um, I was sitting with Diddy, sat down with him and asked him a few questions and we started talking away and um, I, I, I said to him honestly, I said, you know what, I find it quite hard talking about digging into God's word when you and Mimi are just ambassadors for that cause, you know. For 20 years you've been trying to tell people to dig deeper into God's word. And I said this to him, you know, being honest, and he said something to me which was quite impactful. I haven't forgotten it, and it's why I mentioned it this morning. Diddy said to me, you know, um, he said, it's not about the work that you are involved in or you are accomplishing. 
Think about that, because I'm going to finish off what he said. But think about that. 20 years in this work, and he says to me, it's not about the work or what you're trying to accomplish. And he went on to say this. It's really about how, in those 20 years, how you treat each other and how you love your neighbor in that place as you go about completing the work that God has called you to do. And man, I just thought, wow, huh, isn't, that, isn't that just so, um, uh, it's cutting to the heart. When you realize that, that so much of the push is to do for Christ rather than to be. And I believe with all my heart that the more we work on the be, the more that the do will be accomplished in his, in his name. So that was uh, quite challenging for me. Thank you, Diddy, for rebuking me. Um, <laughs> I have a book in my shelf at home, and it's called this, I Am Second. <laughs> and I thought, wow, again, it's a challenging title, I Am Second. One man said, the beginning of greatness is to be little. The increase of greatness is to be less and the perfection of greatness is to be nothing. The commentator for the NLT Illustrated Study Bible says this, Paul nowhere tells believers that they should defend their rights. On the contrary, he emphasizes that they should always be willing to give up their rights for the sake of others. We are free from many rules others bound their lives by. We are free. But we must always be ready to give up those freedoms if our actions cause someone to stumble in their faith. Defending one's own rights is of little value to Paul. Real Christian love is sacrificial. A focus on what's best for others not for ourselves. The hardest thing about the principle of love and considering of others is that it requires something of us. Testing our motives, examining our attitude, getting us in a position to be the kind of believers that will say, I am second. And that's tough. So, this morning... How do we go about going deeper in our love for others? What is the pattern that God has laid down for us to follow? Now, if I had um, thought of it um, probably a bit more, um, I would have arranged to have a towel up here and a basin and ask for the smelliest feet to come forward and I would wash your feet. Because that's the illustration of what it means to serve someone else and to think of someone else other than yourself. So firstly, we have been set free. Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we have been set free to live in all things. But not all things we are free to do is profitable for others. Growing deeper in love takes this into consideration. Um, no doubt Paul said in Galatians chapter 5, 
verse 1, stand in the freedom wherewith Christ has set you free. He said that. But the challenge is that there are some things in the Christian life that we are free to do, and they're called non-essentials. I'm not talking about the essential things that we do and we do not do. I'm talking about the non-essentials. To his audience, the issue was eating meat offered to idols. Today, we don't probably have that struggle. Um, The closest I can give is my mum, who was born in Niue, the island of Niue. Um, She used to make the best coconut buns. Oh, we were durable, you know. We would miss the main meal just to get the coconut buns, you know. But the closest thing I could say is that from Joe's culture, the Samoans, they make coconut buns too. But uh, I would never eat the Samoan one if I had the Nguyen one. If I had the Nguyen one, ah, oh, it's like eating meat unto idols for me. <laughs> That's the closest I can give you, you know. But, you know, they struggled with that in the Christian circles with meat offered to idols. Some had no problem with it because they were now free in Christ. So they had no problem. And their conscience was clear, but others were struggling because they were still tied up in what it meant to have this meat that was offered to idols, demon worship. So they struggled with that, and they couldn't have the same freedom. So Paul's advice is this. Think of others and their struggles before you indulge in your freedom. Now, years ago, before even Joe and I, our generation, the, the generation before, they, they struggled with these non-essentials in church circles. And one of these areas was going to the movies. <laughs> you know, taboo. How dare you go to the movies when you, you should... How worldly are you to go to the movies? Um, another one, uh, I guess, would be drinking. I'm not talking about getting drunk. I'm just talking about enjoying a a glass of wine or however you do that socially. Um, And and there would be people who would be amongst you saying, how dare you drink, you know? And so right now I'm going to give you 30-ish seconds to talk amongst yourselves. Can you throw out to me, when I bring you back in, can you throw out to me some of the non-essential things that might offend other people? Today, have a little think and discuss, and then throw that back at me. Go.
Okay. Okay, if you could make your way back facing this way. I just thought of another example. This morning, if... This morning, if um, I actually wore a Broncos jumper and my brother there who loves the Broncos, they actually got smashed last night. So that would be offensive. <laughs> and so it's like an essential. I chose not to wear it this morning. Okay. All right, so can you throw some things slowly at me? What are some of the... Oh, yes, yes, yeah. Nice and loud. What'd she say? What was that? <laughs> yeah, I, th- I, you know, I can, I can see where they're coming from. I never saw it before, but yeah. Okay. Anything else? Tattoos. Yeah. Tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> yes, anything else? Did I hear somebody say piercings? Yeah. Here, 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 here. Here, you know, can be offensive. Anything else? Oh, yes. A non-essential is music. (laughs) What else? Swearing. Swearing. Interesting one, swearing. Mm. You've been struggling with that there, bro? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Anything else? I said, I said clothes, but oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you know what? I excuse the active wear if you're going to do that kind of song, you know? You're just ready for it. So, you can see that there are so many non-essentials that we get offended um, I, thinking about clothes and, and even some, some Christians who are quite well off and then you begin to mix at a conference with other or at a setting, any setting with those who are not well off and you've got to start and you know that they're not well off. So the, so the ones that are quite well off would be thinking, you know what, I'm going to act and behave in such a way that I don't offend them because they don't have as much that I do but how can I serve them, you know? So there's so many things. Uh, It's incredible. Number two, accepting those who are weak in our freedom. So you're free. You're free to have a man bun. (laughs) But we, but in, in wearing our man bun, we accept those who don't and get offended by that. So we find ways to take our man bun out of its position <laughs> when they are around. <laughs> I don't have a problem with it, bro. You can see I don't have a problem with it. All right. But um, 
accepting those who are weak in our freedoms and not condemning them grows us deeper in our love for each other. Accepting them and not condemning them. The Bible says in Romans chapter 14, if you want to quickly go this, you can keep up with me. Romans 14, chapter 1, and then from 3 to 8. Now accept the one who is weak in faith. So we're talking about the one who gets offended. So he's weak in faith. He has the same freedoms, but he just is not there. So accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. Verse 3, the one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who doesn't eat the meat offered to idols. And the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who has the freedom to eat what God has given him. Who are you to judge the servant of another? This is where Paul begins to dig the knife in and twist it a bit. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master, he stands and falls, and he will stand for the Lord will make him stand. One person regards one day above another. Oh, we've got plenty of those. Uh, again, back into the generation that was before my generation. If you dare played sport on Sunday, you were not godly. You were not close to God. And yet the Bible says one man regards one day above another. And another regards another day above the other days. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord. And he who doesn't observe um, it's for the Lord. For not one of us lives for himself, verse 7, and not one dies for himself. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. So Paul's making it clear. To the strong believer, the one who has the freedom to live in all things, Paul urges them and says, please accept the weaker brother. Accept them and don't condemn his position. To the weak believer, the one who still struggles to walk in those freedoms with, with which Christ has set us free, they are not to judge the others who are free. So if you're the weaker, if you think, I'm on the weaker side, and you struggle with tattoos, um, the Bible is pretty clear. Don't judge your tattooed brother. Love him and accept him. Paul made it clear to both sides, each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. And this is important because this is how you and I walk confidently as believers because we're fully convinced in our own minds. And you know, the only reason why I would choose not to exercise my freedom in these non-essential things that you and I know are there is because I'm considering the other person and I'm loving them and I'm growing deeper in my love for God. 
Um, I've heard many missionary stories where you've had a couple working in tribal situations and they need each other's support. And I remember hearing about one, one group of, um, one a bunch of couples who were working in a tribe. I can't remember where the place was. But one of the couples was offended because the other family enjoyed their peanut butter. Go figure. <laughs> and they oppressed them so much so that they left the field over peanut butter. Is that the love of Christ that the Bible teaches us? No. That's why it's such a challenge. And it's an everyday challenge. You know, um, so sorry, Ben and Mel. Ben, Mel? Mel. Ben and Mel. Um, let me just give you a, uh, a scenario. So Ben and Mel, they, they, you know, they, they've been married now since 2018, I think. And uh, they, they've just, you know, just enjoyed the young family life. And, you know, they, they love to have a bit of red wine at their tea. And they've made it a habit. They have never, they have never gone to the place where they're drunk. Because they realize the Bible says, don't be drunk <laughs> with wine. There's a reason for it. So they, they just enjoy a bit of wine. And they just, you know, it, it's just, and it's very cultural for them to do that. And so um, they're getting to know people in the church. And they, they get to know this, this young lady named Pam. Now, Pam is from a family, oh, you know, <laughs> And so uh, Pam, in her older days, you know, she did the same, you know. And in fact, Pam's story is so wonderful because she, it was a real battle for Pam to get over that addiction and that experience. But she made it through. Um, hours and hours. <laughs> Hours and hours and days upon days and week after week, Pastor Joe would meet with Pam. And, um, you know, there, there were days that Joe was with Pam that he wanted to get in, you know. It was so difficult. But they made it through, and Pam's testimony is incredible. You go and speak with Pam now, she's, she's a trooper for those who have come through addiction and, and have come through the, the bondage of having alcohol abuse in your life. Now, Ben and Mel know this because they've gotten to know her and they know this. And they, you know, as, as the weeks and months have gone by, the, Ben and uh, Mel, they go, you know what, why don't we have Pam over for tea? And, they, and, and, and you know, Ben says, yeah, why not? So, they invite her over for tea. What is the choice that Ben and Mel have to make? Tell me, what's the choice? <laughs> Just tea? But hang on, hang on. No, 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 hang on. The Bible says we are free in Christ. Why should my freedom be judged by another man's conscience? That's what it says. 
So why should I live my life? I'm free in Christ. In fact, if you take away my freedom, you're just going to cop my, slave, my slavery behavior. I'll just go back and give it, give it all back to you. I don't want to go back. I'm free in Christ. Why should I not crack open a wine? Why not? Why? I can't hear you. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Can you see Pam after? Yeah. Thank you, brother. I think we've got something going on here. So. But you see it. You see it clearly as an example that it's the love of this couple that are willing to put down their freedoms for the sake of this one so that by the time she goes home from dinner, they can crack it open and, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean. You know what I mean. But Paul didn't uh, beat around the bush. He said, therefore, let's not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, Romans 14, 13, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother or sister's way. That's Christian love at its highest. I refuse to put a stumbling block in a brother's way. I will release my freedoms. In fact, you know what Paul said? Paul said, I would put away my freedom for good, for the sake of the one who struggles with my freedoms. Growing deeper in your love for others is found right here in this non-essential area of our journey of Christ. Paul put an exclamation mark on this principle in 1 Corinthians 9, 22-23. To the weak, I think I mentioned this, to the weak I became weak, that I might, what? Gain the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all means I might save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I may be a fellow partaker of it. He took the gospel serious and he says, I'm willing to give up my freedoms for the sake of others. Let's go for one more. To get deeper in our love for God, living the Christian life with the goal of glorifying him in everything we say or do. That's deeper love for others. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, 31 to 33, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all things for the glory of God. Do not offend the Jews or the Greeks or the church of God just as I also please everyone in all things, not seeking my own benefit, but the benefit of many, so that they might be saved. It's pretty hard to hear these words sometimes. And everything that we say or do, living for the glory of God. So I've got a couple of questions how often does God's glory come in our decision making? Let's get real in our thinking, whether you're at work 
or at school or at home as a parent or as a spouse or even as a part of the local church, how often does God's glory come into our decision-making every day? What exactly did Paul mean when he referred to God's glory? Of course, it simply means for the honour of him and his name, for his honour, for, for, for his purposes, for his will. You want to, I'll give you an example. I, I, I don't mind giving you examples of how I let God down because um, hopefully I've grown a little bit. But um, I, I used to work for a guy named Charlie at, at, at my church and he taught me how to paint. Uh, I had no idea before I joined him. And now I can paint. Um, keep that to yourself. I don't want to come all the way to Sydney to start painting some of your houses, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I managed to get that skill down pat. But every now and then, you know, I have to struggle with Charlie because he was my employee, employer and I was the employee. But we were both at church together. And Charlie would say stuff to me that would annoy me and I would think, you know, that's not a godly way to treat me or, you know. And then I would push back and then Charlie would look at me and say, you know, that's not a godly way for you to, you know, kind of like be under me, your boss. Until one day we came to a head. And I, Charlie said to me, Mike, the Bible says, submit. <laughs> submit to your, you know, your master's your employers, submit. That's what the Bible says. And I said, true, Charlie, but it also says you submit to me because the Bible says now everybody submit to each other. So we went back and forth. The love was just brimming, you know. And, and I look back and I think, that's crazy. You know, that's not Christian love. And so I had to grow. Um, another question. What are the, some of the common indicators that show we do things but not for the glory of God? And I think a lot of us would know what that is in our lives, where we do things for, for just the wrong motives, not for the glory of God. What about what has happened when you have followed this path of glorifying God? What has happened? Have you seen the outcome of what it's like to really glorify God? and whatever you say and do to each other. To each other. Paul sums it up beautifully in Philippians chapter 2, verses 2 to 7. Paul says this, um, Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as what? More important than yourselves. Do not merely look at your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And he goes into describing the, the, the master attitude to have is Christ's attitude. I want to close, um, you know, this session with a story about Bible college. And 
If you ever go to Bible college in the future, and you haven't been before, but you ever do decide to be involved in Bible college, these are some of the places where God teaches you the deepest, deepest lessons about learning to love each other. And um, I went to, uh, to, to study with um, Eamon, uh, Joe and I, mutual friend, and a part of this uh, training for, for missionary training was not only Bible college, but we went into what you call missionary training in language school. And a part of the missionary training was to go away with a group of 10, 12 people into the bush and spend six weeks, six or seven weeks there with each other. Build your own, own home without nails. So you, it's all about trees and tying it together tarps and, and learning how to, to make a home and then, you know, running with the program. So we did this and we discovered that one of the things uh, we had to do was to get, you, you know, when you're making a, a, a rough home out in the bush, you still got to have the beam, the cross beam, so that you can put your, uh, your homemade trusses on and, and, and then cover it with tarps and all that. So we... Um, we all went out to help each other get the crossbeam. And these trees were actually, it was in New South Wales, up, you know, and, and um, trying to think of the name. But anyway, um, they were straight as, just straight, straight trees. And, and the farmer whose property it was, he allowed us to cut it down. So we, there were no greenies about. So we um, cut the trees down. And then we, one of, these, these were the poles and these were the window sashes and the doorways. But we also had to cut these beams. And Eamon and I, you know, we, we just had a ball. And we went there with our axe and we chopped and we chopped. And we got the big saw and we saw and, and And I was helping him and he was helping me. And then we were going to help other people. And enter the equation, Bobby Bagley. There's always a Bobby amongst your, you know, your group. And Bobby was just, oh, I'm pretty sure he's a little bit OCD, but man, he, um, he said, yeah, let's go and get my beam. So we go to get Bobby's beam, and it's massive. It's like, really? It's just a beam for, a, a, why do you want this massive? But no, Bobby refused and we're just looking at each other and saying, come on, bro, come on. It's too heavy. It's Why? And Eamon, you know, oh, if you've met, anybody met Eamon Sullivan? No. Yeah, Joe would know. And he's got that, you know, that voice that says, why, why? <laughs> and, 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 and I'm thinking, whatever. So we spend longer trying to chop down this massive tree and, and, and we drag Bobby's beam all the way to his spot and we spend all our energy that afternoon trying to get this massive beam up for Bobby's house and we hated him <laughs> and we struggled with him and I struggled with him because that, that behaviour continued on with other things and all the time the Holy Spirit was saying to me, this is it, Mike. You want, to, you want to be involved in missions in the future? This is it. You have to learn to love each other. You have to learn to consider the other person. And thankfully, I left Bible college, you know, friends with Bobby. <laughs> Just wanted to 
have a rugby game and take them down, you know? But, you know, we left on really good terms because God had changed my heart and taught me a lesson that it's not, as Diddy said, it's not all about the task. It's not all about the ministry, but it is about the people that you are working with. If you can't love each other, how do you think the world is going to ever come to the cross? Jesus says they'll know. They'll know you are my disciples by what? For your love for each other. Let's pray. Father, I, I, I feel so ill-equipped to challenge in this area because I have so much to grow in love for each other. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, you're so patient with your people. You know, just like the Israelites, we wander for years and years and years in a wilderness. We slip over the lessons that you're trying to teach us and you have to bring us back again and again. But you're so kind, you're so loving, and we want to thank you for that. Continue to teach us to consider the other person, man, buns and all. And I pray that you, Lord, would just use us in this area to reach the lost. In Jesus' name, amen.